Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message, titled Provokers of Miracles, by Pastor Walter Arias. Let's listen to the message and may God bless you. And in this morning, Lord, now that we have arrived in praise and worship, we come also, Lord, before you with supplications, with intercessions, as your word shows us, we pray so that your grace, Lord, can be poured out on this land, so that your power can be touching the families wherever they may be, those that are in need, in scarcity, in adversity, those that find themselves in tribulation, those that find themselves in agony, mourning. If there's someone that's sick, Lord, we ask that you touch their life today, their physical body, that it be you, Lord, ministering the heart of those that are hurting, of those that are affected by a sickness of someone in their house or in their family, or perhaps for the death of someone. Comfort every heart, Lord. And in times of anguish, who else would we go to? Only you have the words of eternal life. We understand that you've given us strength. We understand that you've given us ability. We understand that you give us, Lord, that that you're pleased to give us intelligence. But we also understand that everything depends on you and everything comes from you. Every good gift comes from your presence, Lord. And that's why, God, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you minister to every family where they may be and supplying the need that they need. The one that is scarcity of finances, the one that can't pay their bills, that something supernatural may happen, Lord, that they be a creative miracle or a therapeutic miracle there in the hearts and in the lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And we say all in the mighty name of Jesus and the church of the Lord says, amen and amen. Glory to God. In this morning, I want to share with you a topic that has as a title, Provokers of Miracles. Provokers of Miracles. And there the dictionary defines the word miracle. First, it says that it comes from the Latin miraculum, which is a word that's derived from the verb mirai. And it means to admire or to contemplate with admiration, astonishment, the Christendom as such, we understand or we see the miracles as a divine intervention or intervention of God in a person or in a circumstance. If you allow me for an illustration or an example, can you imagine a seed? It could be like of a bean, one that uh, maybe is on the screen a seed, a bean. There's a miracle there in that little seed. And that's why the topic, the provokers of miracles, because that seed could stay in your hand. That seed could be in a package. It could stay in a cupboard. It could stay in any place kept its whole life. But also that seed can be sowed. And when we plant that seed, then we make ourselves provokers of miracles. Why? Because in that seed, there's life. In seed, in that seed, there's power. In that seed, there's a 
a something genetic. There's something that is ready to lift itself up, to, ready to come out and to produce a lot. But it depends on a provoker of miracles. All of us that are here on behalf of God, that we can work in miracles. So God is looking for instruments and he uses us continually as instruments to make and perform miracles. What happens is that we understand a miracle as something supernatural, but we don't give the connotation that within us is the supernatural who is God. God is in us. So when we're people with the essence of God, then we're in that capacity of being creative, of being people with purpose. And that's why provokers of miracles is a word that I want you to understand it and that you take it in your heart because it can help you to understand the reason why you're on this earth. What can you do with your life? What can you do with your talents? What can you do with your gifts? You can keep them in a package or you can expose them and put them and through them make miracles for you and for generations of people that are by your side. And there's different types of miracles. We know the miracles of what I call that are creative miracles or immediate or the therapeutic miracle, a creative miracle. So we can understand it is when God does something he himself without any type of human intervention, he does something. And he just does it because he wants to do it. But when I say therapeutic, it's because there's a participation of the human. Um, creative miracle, we could see it in scripture. We could see when a man that you've heard of, and if you don't know, you could find it later and read about him. The blind man whose name Bartimaeus, it says that he was along the way. And when Jesus went by, he cried out and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did Jesus do there? He says he stood and he came and Bartimaeus came close to him. And then he says, what do you want? And he says, I want to be healed. And Jesus says, you're healed. And simply he healed him. And that's what I call a creative miracle. Immediate an intervention of God. And the man just needed a favor and God did it. That was a divine intervention. But if we also see scripture, we also see of another blind man. And they say that there was a blind man that he was blind from birth and he was in a place. Jesus comes to him and Jesus it says he spits on the dirt and then he takes some mud and he puts it on his eyes. And he says, now go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And curiously, Bartimaeus, what he did, he just said, you're, you're healed. But to this one, other one, to the young person that was blind from birth, that he was blind from birth, it was in a way that was therapeutic. When I say therapeutic, it's, I say that it's process. Therapeutic has to do with with a way, with a manner or a form. So God invites life. He makes a miracle in him because there's an intention on God. But now that young person has to walk with that person to the pool of Siloam and wash himself. And we could also see this in scripture or register of the 10 men that had uh, that were lepers. And the Bible says that when they see him, when you see Jesus pass that they say, Jesus, have mercy on us. And he said something special to them. He said, go and show yourself to the priests. And they knew that they understood that to be declared of leprosy, they had to go to be verified before the high priest and they had to be examined. But if we see scripture, well, God, Jesus Christ there didn't come close to them or touch them. He just said, go. He gave them life in that moment. He gave them that healing. But if you read it well, 
they go walking. And when they were walking, it says they looked at their skin and their skin was as a skin of a baby. And we see a process there. So we're seeing miracles that are creative. We're also speaking of therapeutic uh, miracles. All of us can be people that we can perform miracles in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you might say, but it's, is it laying hands on somebody to be healed? Yes. In the name of Jesus, maybe God wants you to lay hands on someone. So something mighty happens on them in the life of that person. But also when we do things that brings forth a miracle on behalf of God on someone's life, when we speak of Theotherapy. Theo is God. Therapy is according to the way of God. So theotherapy is body, the soul, and the spirit. God has a way of healing. God could do it in an immediate way and creating a miracle or in a circumstance or in a situation. But God also can use an instrument, use someone on behalf of a miracle or healing. And we would call that a provoker of miracles. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, there's a clear example of where Christianity is founded on. And here the word of God says, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Analyze this. The creative miracles here. It says that God, who is rich in mercy, loved us in such a way that he was pleased to save us, to give us life through Christ Jesus. It's to say spiritual life. We walk spiritually dead doing all of our human appetite, what we call the flesh of our emotions and what the world and also plans for us. But one day God touches our inner being and gives us life and it's called spiritual life. That's what I call a creative miracle, an immediate miracle where God by grace does something. But look what Ephesians there in chapter four, but advanced there to verses 22 through 24. And you can underline, if you can, three verbs that are there. And it says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man put underline put off, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Verse 23, and be renewed and then underline renewed, renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and that you put on, underline put on that portion and pay attention, put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So I come saying that in miracles, God can make a miracle that's immediate over a person. And we go from death to life. By grace, he has saved us. That simply in his sovereignty, in his mercy, he passes us from spiritually dead to spiritual life, but the therapeutic part, the way, the mechanism, the process, the channel is explained in this text very well. It says that that you put off concerning your former conduct. It says to put it off. So here there's an, an intervention on our part. It's our part that we have to put off when he gives us life, when he calls us to salvation, then it's our 
part to go through the process to take off things. It says here to put off concerning your former conduct, the old ways of living life. And then it says, and then renew in the spirit of your mind. Look at what the Lord Jesus is inviting. He says, I give you spiritual life, but you take off those damaging actions and you renew your thoughts now with my word. Transform yourself through the renewing of your understanding. Now he invites us to change our mentality, what we read, what we want to learn, what we're going to study, what we're going to memorize it, to be part of the process of miracles that God wants to do in your life or does in our lives. That's the way that it functions. But then in verse 24, and that you put on the new man and to put on is to say now you start to do things that are good, things that I put before you so that you do them. So now I've put a, a carpet of action, good actions in your life. So you walk away so that you put on those things. So creative miracle and a therapeutic miracle. We are part of the theotherapy according to God. And God in mercy makes a miracle. But God in mercy equips you, gives you ways and gives you commands so that you achieve a miracle for you first and then for all those that are around you. My beloved brother and sister, you and I, we can be provokers of miracles. You and I, we have the potential of changing life, the potential of changing our life first and the life of the people that we have behind us, the lives of our children, if we have children, the life of our wives, if we're married or our spouses, if we're married, in this case, my wife would be in that condition to help me change so each one that gets in with the Lord has that potential to help and transform the lives of other people, not only your own, but other people's lives. We are people called to be provokers of miracles in the institutions, wherever we may be, in businesses that we do, in the places where we relate, in the city where we live, in the neighborhood that we have our home. It is we that can make miracles in those places and of transformation because we have that potentiality. We're like, we have that seed there in the hands to do good things before God. And God wants to transform lives and he wants to use an instrument so that the lives may be transformed. You are that instrument that God is using or wants to use more for his glory, for his glory, and for your blessing. Because when we give, we receive more. So this topic is super important because life in itself is founded in love. When Jesus speaks of love, he puts the love as the maximum in everything. And even the apostles would always signal the love of God. The apostle Paul would say words like, all the gifts may pass. The speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. But he says, but there's a gift that will last for always the love. We are called to bring this love to this earth. If, if your environment is not so good, then ask yourself, is it because are you not being a provoker of miracles? We are called to transform the places where we are. We're called to change the business where I am. You could say the place where you are is difficult. It's it's bad. But within you, there's power of God to make this place 
a better place. Not to start complaining about life, that everything is wrong there, it's wrong there, it's wrong there. Well, glory to God, it's there, wrong and wrong there and wrong there, so that you could be the instrument of God to change those places, to change that structure, to change that family that's in a situation that's adverse, perhaps. Maybe a marriage that is bad. I don't know. You and I, we can do and continue being what God wants, makers of miracles and provokers of miracles. And I want us to understand that seed, that seed, there's a power, there's a potential in that seed. There's everything, a little seed, like a little bean. There's everything there in that seed. When it's sown, when you plant it, when you, when you prepare the terrain, when you take care of it, then a plant comes out that produces a bunch of little vines that are filled with those beans and you know what or branches and that's better than a great lunch that's that so you could cultivate more of it and you can then cultivate even greater amount why because i'm not going to eat them all but i'm going to use a portion of them to plant more plants and while i plant more then i create more life and more life i create then more i can make use and there's going to be more people benefiting from it you're a person that have all the capacity to be an instrument of God, to transform places and to transform lives. What are you going to do with that miracle that is on behalf of God in you? I want to do something with that miracle from God that's within me. And I want to speak of two things today, the restoring miracle and the miraculous circle, the Restoring miracle and the miraculous circle. And for that, I want us to go into a text, into the letter to the Galatians, chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Let us read there, Galatians. When I speak of the restoring miracle, I refer to the miracle of the spiritual restoration in which God wants us to get involved in for the blessing of other people. When God calls us to salvation, when God gets in with us and creates life, he also tells us to put off bad customs, to erase our minds, to clothe ourselves of good acts and good deeds. So in the same way, we can help restore families. We could help restore a person that falls into a sin or a person that falls into a failure like the Bible says in this text that we're going to read. We're called to be some miraculous restorers. It's what we call the restoring miracle of what? Of the emotional part and also the spiritual part of a person. So let's read this. Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 5. Brethren, if a man is overtaken any trespass, underline that, overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such, underline that, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. But let each one examine Bear one another's burdens. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. If we analyze this text and you who is take notes and you like to read more, you're going to notice there of the riches that this text has. It's speaking of the miracle, the restoring miracle that involves 
the help and the assistance of a person that commits a failure spiritually or as such that is counted as an adverse situation for their life or perhaps the life of other people and we could call this sin the word says it's teaching us here of an offender one that offends it says that he is and curiously it's speaking of the church Paul here is writing to a church and so he's interested in the brothers and sisters of a congregation that they consider themselves that is overtaken in any trespasses when they sin in something. So he gives some instruction. He calls one to a spiritual being. So he does something there. And this miracle of what we want to speak, this restorative miracle, there's two people that are involved, the offender and the restorer. When we see this text, clearly, the offender then is the one that is overtaken in a trespass. His life is affected. He affects others. He affects the church. But that person, it says, according to Paul, needs help. But I want to speak of the offender because the offender is any person. But it's also, I could be that offender. It could be you. For as many, as much Christian as we are, the word of God says, whoever believes to be firm, be careful so that you don't fall. All of us, while we're on this earth, we have the potential of falling into a disgrace of sinning and affecting our lives and the life of those around us or others. So you and I, we have to be careful. Why? Because this text belongs and respects to us. But what does a person, an offender, have to have? An offender, once he has committed something that damages their life or the other lives or the church, they have to have at least one, a heart that is teachable and moldable. Because if they have a heart that is teachable and formable, then what Paul is teaching in this epistle is that you could restore that person. But how difficult when a person is found in sin, when they're found in a failure, they don't allow themselves to be formed. They don't allow themselves to be pastored. They don't allow themselves to be exhorted. How difficult it is to help a person that doesn't want to change. A person that is in a failure, the first thing that they should have is humbleness. They have to recognize that they did something wrong. The first thing is that they take away the excuses, the buts. I did this. I did this wrong, but because no, take them away. Take away the buts and only recognize that you did or that we did something wrong. And there is going to be a mercy that is going to be deposited because God wants that a miracle that are renovating miracles that transforms us miracles that restore us so the offender has to have a heart that is teachable and formable so that someone can correct them so someone can confront them so somebody can exhort them as the bible says so that they be called in secret or that they be called before witnesses or that they called before a congregation as the bible teaches it that they can do an institution they can do it in a business there has to be levels of coming close to the person that violates something. The one that sin has to have a heart that is just ready. And I tell you, church, as a pastor, it's very difficult when one wants to pastor someone. And the first that they find is that the person doesn't have a heart to be directed. How difficult it is to be able to try to create a miracle of restoration in a person. How difficult to be a channel of God, to renew the mind of someone, to restore the spiritual life of someone, 
when that someone does not want help. The first thing is that you can't do anything. When they evade their responsibilities, when they're not a person that is teachable and formable, I have been, it's come as a pastor that, that daily, our daily bread and pastors of cell leaders, when we're helping someone to grow spiritually, we know that we're imperfect. We understand that all of us, but we're called to grow in perfection. We're called, that's why we said it beforehand. We're called to put off a way of living. We're called to renew our mind. We're called to put on the things of that are good of God. So it's important that that the offender, to say it as such, the one that is found in a failure, has a heart that is available. How difficult it is when you want to teach someone they don't want to learn. And you're there doing, doing, and the person doesn't answer the phone. They don't answer your messages. They don't take care of your appointments. And you see that you're burning your house, your environment. You're burning your your life. And one wanting to help, but that person is the one that's least indicated or the least interested in receiving the help. The Apostle Paul, when he speaks of this, he's speaking of a miracle of renovation or spiritual transformation. But there has to be a willing heart. If you one day sin, I invite you that that day you sin. Don't do what King David did. King David became crazy when he saw that woman from from his balcony Bathsheba, he saw her naked taking a bath. He desired her in his heart. He allowed to go with beyond because he asked, who is that young person that's there? That's the wife of one of your uh, warriors. Oh, where's the warrior? He's in the war. King David, oh, then bring me the girl because I want to know her. Does she have Facebook or what's up? So there's a fact that I could get uh, communicate. Bring it to me. I'm paraphrasing. Are you understanding and when he has it here closer, then he takes her as a possession, as a man. He sleeps with her, he pregnates her, and you know the story, and if you don't know it, then look for it. And the scripture says that this woman is pregnant by him, and when she returns, she goes, David, King David, we have a problem. They're going to find out, look at my little stomach is growing. And you know what King David did? King David called her husband, he brought him. And he says, come, get, let's get drunk and go home and sleep with your wife so that you could impregnate her. <clears throat> and that person, that husband comes with him and he doesn't go home. <clears throat> and two times King David tries that. And because the man didn't go to the, his house, he sent them. Listen, well, he sent them to the front line so that they would kill him in that war. And there he died. Right. <clears throat> Died because a king, because a king, according to the Bible, had his heart conformed to God. He had in a moment conformed that heart to God. But in another moment, he had that heart conformed to what he wanted. And that day he found himself in offense, but he didn't want to repent. He wanted a cover. He wanted a cover and he wanted a cover. And while more he covered, he was more entangled. And then it was just the righteousness of God that the prophet would come and tell his sin to his face. My beloved brother and sister to be, all of us are potential people that we're in a position of falling, spiritually speaking. But we also have to have a noble heart and say, I sinned, help me. There's nothing better and beautiful when you when you say in a place, forgive me, I was mistaken. Forgive me, I was forsaken. It's my error. That's a good thing to bring peace in everywhere. It's very good to bring peace in a business or to bring peace in any place that we 
relate with people. I was mistaken. Who broke that? I broke that. Who damaged that? I was the one that damaged it. How it was an accident. I didn't notice. It's important then. Then you restore, you speak, you teach them. And the person with humbleness receives that exhortation, receives, and they grow spiritually. They receive what we call the restorative miracle. But we have to speak, which is true. That are people that don't want to be restored. There's people want the benefits of the blessings of the church of God, the benefits of the power of God, the benefits of the miracles of God, but they don't want to pay the price of having a humble heart and to be confronted and exhorted. Who is that person? Is that you? Is that you, that type of person that doesn't allow the, yourself to be moldable, that don't allow yourself to be confronted, that you're not ready to receive errors or the sins that you're not ready to confess them, I would say to you today, reorient your life and allow that miracle, that miracle, that restorative miracle, allow it to happen in you, for you. God is going to put these people that I want to speak also, these restorers, these restorers, the one that provokes that miracle because God wants to forgive. God wants to heal and forgive the person, but he has to heal them emotionally. He has to help them to grow the person that's found in that failure. So God wants to use a person, according to the apostle, a spiritual person, and that's how it should be. It should be a mature person. Listen well. In Galatians 6, 3 to 5, verses 3 to 5, it says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. I'm going to translate it in a very simple way. The one who wants to restore another person has to be a person that has a testimony to do that work. They have to be a person that is mature, a person that their lifestyle and the evidences bring to a simple consent uh, advice where the person who is being advised can see in their lifestyle of the counselor or of this renewing person, if we could call them that, this person that comes to help, they could see a lifestyle that is worthy to imitate. And where they see authority in that person, listen well, we're called to restore the people that have problems or failures or faults. But we also need the restorers. We need to be filled with the spirit. We need to be people of worthy of that office. There's nothing worse than a person that wants to advise another person and they are a person that have a worse problem. And you've heard the saying of the donkey. And the donkey escapes my mind. A donkey saying to another, calling him big ears. How can you help to how can you think you help a person to come out of a spiritual process or emotionally or of conduct behavior where you are saying to confront that person? then you are in a worse situation. You have many things. What the letter is here saying that whoever dares because you need someone to help, that one needs to be a person that sees themselves first and measure themselves so that they know that they're a person that is transformed. Not to be glorifying themselves in the transformation while their own life is in sin or while their own life is worse. You know what the Bible calls this type of people? 
They call them stumbling stones. How dangerous are the stumbling stones in the gospel? How dangerous the people that are speaking of God so much, but their spiritual life doesn't give testimony before others or there even in their own home that truly that they're a son or a daughter of God. How important to be spiritual in your home like it is in your business, like in your all environments, like when you stand in a place to speak of God, it's super important. This is what the Lord is teaching us so that there be a restorative miracle. So understand that you need an offender that wants help and or wants a mercy, but we also need a restorer that's an instrument of God, but that has a testimony, that same restorer, that is a person that can be a person that speaks with his head held high and not ashamed. How sad. To me, I'm very sad when I see people that speak so much of God, but their behavior privately or even publicly is so different from what God says. I think that they are that they defraud the gospel of Jesus Christ. I feel that they make the church look bad. Clearly, because someone that starts to speak about the Lord, they identify them as a Christian, or you identify yourself as your Christian. But if you don't have a personal testimony, if you don't take care of your life, the one who's watching you is looking because one day you said you're a Christian, that you congregate, or that you believe in God and that you love God, and he's going to look you in the preaching of your lifestyle. He's going to see how you speak how you relate. They're going to look how you do business. They're going to look, they're going to look that lifestyle. And again, an action is worth more than a thousand words. And my beloved brother or sister, I don't know if you are the person that God wants to use to restore people, but we're all called first to understand that in the church of the Lord and in society, the people we're going to infringe sooner or later in one way, we're going to commit a sin. Secondly, is that God wants to be there be a restorer, a person that be an instrument to make a miracle of restoration in that person that fell. But that restorer be one that has the life and a testimony ordered in their heart so that they can dare to speak to someone else. Because if not, then they turn into a stumbling stone. And some people say, oh, if that person is a believer then I don't want. If that's being a Christian, then I don't want. If that's being a leader, then I don't want. Why? They say, I don't want because they see that person who is calling themselves a believer, leader, or Christian, and they live a lifestyle or actions that are not worthy of being called as evidences of God in their heart. They're not worthy to be called instruments of God. Secondly, that I want to speak about here, or allow me, also, this person, this restorer, has to be a person that invests. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This word of bear means a lot. We're called to bear a person in need, to be able to bear. It says that I have to invest. I have to invest what? Time. A person to restore a person emotionally, a person that is fallen spiritually requires of an orientator or of a mechanism of God or an instrument of God that dictate and give them time that you're able to take that time. And we're called to take time for those that are going through problems, especially those that lift their hands and say, I have sinned. Please, I need help. I have violated. I need help. 
And so you have to give them time. So the counselor, the one that's spiritual, the leader, however you want to call it, the instrument of God, the provoker of miracles of renovation has to invest time, has to invest their companionship. They have to invest their love. And sometimes we, and I say this to all the leaders of the church and those that listen to me, those that are connected today, to all the leaders of Bible study groups, all the leaders of ministries, all those that say that it's say to be Christians. We want God to make the work, but the creative work that God saved them and transformed them from the night to the day. But we don't want to be a participant of the Great Commission because that's where the Great Commission has its sense. God said, therefore, go and make disciples. So to go and therefore means to leave, that you have to leave things so that I can go to a place. So it's speaking of time and distance. Go, therefore, go to a neighborhood, go to this place, go to the hospital, wherever you have to go, but go. And it says, and make disciples. And to make a disciples, that takes time. At least Jesus took three and a half years with the, his 12. Time. It's in, an investment. Go and make disciples. Teach them to guard all things. And there is this. And baptize them. Time. So a restorer has to invest. I don't know about you, my brother or sister, or the leader of Bible study groups, or pastor, or leader of ministry, uh, who's listening maybe from another church, in the position that you may find yourself. But if you're going to be a person and you want to be used by God, you have to invest. And the Word of God says there, to bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So the ministry of microwave doesn't exist. The ministry of microwaves doesn't exist, where you can be transformed like this. Only the grace of God transforms the life. But the Bible teaches me, but that the soul needs to be processed, but processed and transformed. And there is an investment of time. But you need, of course, he that wants to invest his time so that someone can teach them. That person that wants to congregate so they can learn. That person that wants to connect to receive the word of God, like in this time, to connect at least. That person that is seeking to invest their time for their own benefit. And then we go then to the second point. To the miraculous circle, because we're speaking of the restorative miracle, but for the miracle, the restorative miracle, I have to understand of the miraculous circle. These provokers of miracles, all of us, once again, that seed, that seed of a little being has a potentiality inside of it. It has life but it's waiting for one, for a provoker, one that goes and bends down and opens the earth and makes a, the dirt and makes water, puts it and put water and is there always to take care and to take away and remove what has to and see the plant grow to be able to take its fruit. The miraculous circle, when a farmer prepares the land, he sows the seed. When I say he prepares because he has to break the land. If the land is dry, he has to, he breaks it and then he puts the seed, then he spreads, then he cleans, then it grows, he protects the plant, and then he harvests the fruit. Well, he's waiting for it to come, but that farmer takes that fruit, he eats that fruit, and then he spreads more seeds and puts more seeds. And that life, that life continues running through all the place, but the farmer continues with that circle, that miracle, miraculous circle. He saved the part because he needs to assure himself for the fear, and he continues eating from what he produces, but that seed, listen well, continues filling the earth or the land of its genetic parts so you can understand 
so that it does that type of being doesn't disappear then. So the miraculous circle, I could see it in Galatians chapter six from six to eight. Scripture says, and read it well, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh or his lifestyle, his personal damaged lifestyle, will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. A recipient of miracles or a benefactor is a person that has received the grace of God or the favor of God or a miracle on behalf of God. But a benefactor is he that has been blessed because God did something in their life. I'm going to refer to the church in this moment, the church of the Lord, so that we could understand it in this context. A person that has been saved, that they have had the gospel preached to them, what God does is the first is they give him life, the miracle of life. He passes from death to life. He is born spiritually. It's something that happens inside and connects with God. And that person that sows the gospel, that mechanism of God, that identity of God, has a bunch of of people that help for the growth of that person. Preachings, conferences, times like this, cameras, television, internet. So there's so much mechanism, people, teachers, schools. There's everything of everything in favor of that person that they have to help to change their mind, their soulish part, their thoughts, their feelings, that you have to help to trans and their transformation, that you have to invest time. You have to invest all those resources. Look at what it's all involved here. All the resources that are involved and that God allows as an instrument so that a person can grow spiritually. And that person continue giving fruit in life and being a blessing. Listen well. And I hope that you're attentive to what we're speaking. And don't allow this blessing to be robbed from you in this day. What we're speaking here in this text, what Paul is speaking of, is that you need to be in a walking in a miraculous circle. I call it a miraculous circle. How? The person receives the miracle of life because Christ uh, saves them. They go from uh, death to life something spiritual. Then they he puts people around them and they invest time, knowledge, they invest uh, advice, they invest training, they invest a bunch of things and is giving to the person. And the person makes use of all this. But the word of God says, look at what Paul says. Is it bad to take from you of that have given you the gospel? Is it something bad to get something of a financial benefit that we have worked to give you or to give all that was mentioned beforehand? The sustenance of where we meet, where we concentrate as a church in the classrooms that we prepare for the ministerial classes or the Christian education, whatever it may be. Those teachers that are preparing themselves to take care of your children, the youth, all that is turned on and all that is turned off in favor of a person that is starting to grow. Paul is saying here, is it perhaps bad to be able to reap something from you that you're receiving? 
That's what this text, this is why I say the miraculous circle, because a recipient of miracles or benefactor should also at the same time give, look, God of covenants, the church, the identity, this identity as such, or this entity, this entity has the opportunity to save lives on behalf of God. It's a place of miracles. God of covenants or the local church or any church where it may be. I don't know if you have another church and you connect it today. But let me tell you, those places are places that God uses to make continuous miracles. We, the preachers, are of those people that are provokers of miracles because we could stay with that seed of the gospel, but we don't keep it. We share it so others can live. And there's many people around us as pastors a huge mechanism so that, that person can participate that is receiving that salvation. So the person who receives that miracle, the benefactor, should become into a provoker of life as well. How? First, it should be a person that is a spiritual and emotional compensation. And how can they can compensate spiritually? When one sees that a person grows, when one sees that a person receives the word and you start to see that their life is being transformed, that they become obedient to the word of God, when they start to give fruit of life of transformation, then one as a preacher or as a pastor or any leader, we are the one that are most happiest in this land. There's a satisfaction that we receive that is a spiritual and emotional payment for the preacher. That's a payment for the leader of that cell group or that pastor of the church of any church. Why? Because we feel satisfied that the time that was invented, invested in that seed, in that little plant, wasn't in vain because they're giving a fruit. How sad it is when that person that you preach to, that person that you invest all those resources mentioned, that they don't change. And I'm going to explain it in a simple way. Your children. The children were called to bless our parents. Or scripture doesn't say that it says to honor our mother and father. How can a child honor a mother and father? A young child can honor, not working because they have to study, but they're studying to continue something because they can't work, to coming out with good grades, preparing themselves, doing the tasks that they give in with that, they're honoring because the mother and father, they're growing in character and they're forming well so that when they have their own home, they be a wiser person and it goes better for them. So, but if it's a person that is there all day and doesn't do anything and doesn't cooperate, then the mother and father are defrauded in their heart. They're sad in their heart and they go, what is this? The My investment of life in this person, in this little being, is not producing. They're going to be lost of the teaching. Are you with me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Are you receiving this word? We are called to honor mother and father. And when we grow our lifestyle, has to honor mother and father. Look, when I lived wrong in my sins, as the Apostle Paul says, dead in my sins and transgressions, I knew the pain that was in my mother's heart or in my sister or my family, and I was ashamed by that. And I couldn't do anything because I was dead. But when Jesus Christ entered in my heart and he saved me and he gave me time, an opportunity of life, so I used resources like my pastors and then my pastors in New York And many leaders around me, many pastors intervening. You know what? I saw my mother be transformed. I gave life to her because I was 
giving her sadness, crying, and my family anguished, my wife anguished. But when life comes, then I have to be one that makes that miracle of blessing. I have to return that blessing to someone else. I gave it to my wife immediately. That's why the marriage continued. I gave it to my daughter because she had a place to grow in an environment that was sound. I gave it to my son that he grew in a spiritual sound environment, but I also brought joy to my mother's, to my mother and to my sisters and to all my loved ones. Those that want to see the blessing of God in the gospel, because when you receive, you have to give. I'm one of those that I call my pastor continually. My pastor is going to see this preacher and I know he's going to call me later and he's going to say, nice, son, nice. And I know that I call my pastor and I call my pastors. And I share with them of my growth. I share with them of the gospel that is spread through all the place because I want to be assured that they're happy that what they invested in me wasn't in vain, that they sacrificed them days, that they stopped going out many days, that they didn't do meetings with all the people to teach me. I have to be grateful spiritually. I have to be a part of that miraculous circle and I have to return to that leader. I have to return a glory, if you can say it, an honor that their heart be happy, that when their white hairs and their wrinkles come, it'll be, it's not in vain because there's, I still have one that loves God and will persevere. We need to be part of that miraculous circle. You receive the benefit of salvation and of the preparation of everything that you get prepared so that you grow. But then you have to invest to be a reciprocator. How in the emotional, spiritual part of an entity, of an organization, of a person, of a pastor, of a minister, of a Bible study group. Let us grow in our mind, grow spiritually. And those leaders are going to feel happy because they're receiving and harvesting a fruit that is spiritual. And the other is that you have to become a person that is material compensation. Oh, don't get in there, pastor. Oh, how sad. I'm going to get in there. I have to get in there. We have to compensate financially. We have to compensate with resources. It has a sense. It's simple. Look at all the structure. Look at all the mechanism. We come to a place from the comfort of your home or your place because you weren't able to come today. We even come here. We do everything because we want that seed to be spread and that the seed is sown in other hearts. And one has to learn to be a person that's involved in that miraculous circle. How? The Apostle Paul says in the financial part as well. Please go to 1 Corinthians. Don't miss this moment. Go and look for it, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 to 12 to see what Scripture says. To be part of that miraculous circle of God, it says, verse 9, For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out on the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope. So the one that preaches to preach, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. The one that is part of that spiritual growth of someone else. In verse 11, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, if we have seen and sown miraculous things in your marriage, your job, your life, it's something the Apostle Paul is saying here. It's something that if I gain something financially, is there something wrong with that? Verse 12, if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? 
That is what he's saying. So from your finances, the restaurants are part of that. The the yachts, the the beach outings, all the businesses, the mall participates of your finances, of the fruit of your finances that you have sown because your life is not orderly. And the others take advantage. And then how much more we or the entity that is giving you, that is bringing that spiritual growth because we're instruments of God for that. That's what the word of God is saying right here. So it's a text that you want to overlook. And you know what? And I'll tell you why in a little bit. But it says, Nevertheless, we have not used this right. Listen to how Paul says. Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Listen well. What is Paul saying here? Look, that right of being able to receive that financial part from the congregate, from the benefactor of the miracle or the spiritual growth, that part that is a right to receive something, the tithing, the offering, whatever you want to call it, that right, you know what? Don't give it. But I'm not going to take the glory of continuing preaching this gospel. We haven't used this right, but that we endure all things so not to put an obstacle in the gospel of Christ. So if there's someone that doesn't tithe, I have to continue sowing the gospel. If there's someone that doesn't understand that you have to pay an entity and and pay things, I'm going to continue preaching the gospel because my objective is not that they pay. My objective is to sow the gospel, is to, but the church to be a, grateful church, and to be part of that miraculous circle, that miraculous circle. Like earthly parents, again, the earthly parent is sowing his life, lifting up and raising a child, and then in the youth that they ask, and they ask, and they ask, and the man demand, and would love you, give everything, but the parent, the parent, you and I, that a mother or father are waiting, that that son or daughter will be champions. They're waiting that they advance in life. They're waiting that they be solid and that they be emotionally solid and that they be solid emotionally, that they be people that grow. But when they grow, they produce to the mother and father a satisfaction that is emotional and spiritual. But also when they're old or when they're in need, they put their hand into their pocket and do what it is to honor your mother and father. It's the same in the institution. It's the same in the gospel. Paul spoke clearly of this in the text and text. First Corinthians nine eleven. It says, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Look, Satan is an expert in putting doubt. In the minds of people, Satan is an expert to putting doubt with respect to the tithing and offering. Satan uses some instruments in YouTube in all places so that the people won't tithe. Satan is the distractor of the Christians so that the pastor buy a car. Oh, is that the pastor? What, you want us to come to a ride a bike in Florida so that the pastor can eat? Is that pastors eat? Is that the temple has to be maintained? Is that things have to function? Is that the gospel runs? Bright House is not free for us, the signal. They don't give us electricity free. Do you understand, church? It's Satan putting a story so that you're not a person that in that miraculous circle, because God gives you things and resources so you could use them, because he's going to use them in the kingdom, and he's going to use them every day, even 
and you don't know who you're sowing to. The young person, the young person that said to the pastor, pastor, he preached the gospel. He was converted. I don't have a job. Pray for me. Yes, I'll pray for you. He prayed for him. Lord, provide a job for this young person that is knowing you, that is giving his heart to you. And a month that young person comes happy and says, pastor, I wasn't able to tithe in here. I bring my tithe. I got a job. A thousand dollars. Here's my 100 tithe. How good it is. I congratulate you with your advancement and with your faithfulness. And he says, pray for me, pastor, once again. So God bless me. And he says, yes, father, bless him. He's been faithful. He's growing spiritually. Prosper him. And a month he comes, pastor, pastor, what happened, son? Look, I bring my tithe. $400. Now I have 4,000 monthly. So here's the $400 tithe. But I have a promise. But I think that's a lot of money. Easy, don't be upset. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? So that it'd be better so I could tithe more? Yes. And he prayed for him. Lord, bless him and prosper him more. And a month he comes and he says, Pastor, Pastor, I have some good news and some bad news. And what's the good news? Now they raised me to 8000 a month. What a blessing. And what's the bad news? Is that, Pastor, 800 is a lot to tithe. Oh, no, Pastor, that's a lot. That's a lot of money, Pastor. And what do you want? Pastor, so I don't want to tie someone. No, no problem. Come on, I'm going to lay hands. Lord, give him the money, the money of a thousand. <laughs> Drop him back to a thousand a month. And brother, sister, God blesses us to bless others, to be part of that miraculous circle so that the gospel can continue running. Galatians 6, 6 to 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. While I have an opportunity, let's do well and good for everyone. Don't be tired doing what's good. Don't be tired of being a person that you help others. You're a miracle on behalf of God, helping to be transmitted the gospel to another person to help. A push of a car, I don't know what taking some uh, furniture. I don't know what the miracle is or what God is going to use you as an instrument, but continue doing what's good every day. Don't be a person that is wrong with the Lord. Uh, learn that everything comes from him. In a moment, he could take away life. In a moment, he could take away everything and say, don't let Satan give you stories or your selfish part that says, no, that everything is for you because you're the one that works because you're the one that gains. No, that's a lie from the devil and a lie that you put into yourself, into your heart. And my beloved brother and sister, listener that is there, perhaps you're connected for the first time. I want to say to you today that God wants for a miracle to happen with you, a miracle of life in this moment, a miracle in your heart. That they be that God wants to take you out of sin. First, what he wants to give you is life, is a spiritual life. And for that, you have to learn that you have to recognize your sins. And today you can recognize your sins and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't want to hide anymore from you. Your spirit shows me today that I'm in sin. And today I confess my sins. And you know what? And today God wants to get into your heart. But also, he wants to put you in a place with leaders, with pastors, with teachers, with a great mechanism for your growth so that you put off all those vain thoughts of a lifestyle that was sinful and that you equip yourself with a new mind in Christ and with the word and with a lifestyle that 
You can walk in him. I invite you to pray with me. If today you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there where you may be, pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, in this moment, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I open my heart to you. I invite you that you enter and that you give me life and teach me, God, through the people putting me in a place of sound doctrine, so that I can grow spiritually and be transformed in my soulish part. Thank you, Jesus. Say, write my name in the book of life and of the Lamb. Amen. And I want to say something else to the rest, to the others. Reorient. God wants that there be a restorative miracle. Don't be hard of heart. Don't be hard of your heart. Accept the help. Lift the hands and say, I have this failure. I'm in this problem. Or if they discover, accept the correction. Let the pastors, the elders of the church, the leaders correct you that they help you to grow. And to the leaders, let us be patient. Let us find those that allow themselves to be corrected. And let's do it with love to help them grow. Let us not step on them. Let's not signal them. But let's just help them to grow. And let us pray them. And bearing their burdens. And to all of us, let us be part of that miraculous circle. Don't stay with that blessing for yourself. What you receive by grace, give it by grace. And when it's the gospel, give the gospel. When God is prospering you, don't forget of those pastors, of those entities, of those people that God has placed for those spiritual, for your spiritual growth. And be faithful with your tithes and offerings. God will bless you more. Put the bread over the waters, and after a while, you will find it. So today, because after a while, a blessing will come to your life. To all those that remembered of this ministry, of your pastors, and those of us that are here serving God full-time, thank you for doing it. Thank you for your faithfulness. May God bless you and prosper you even more. To all those that can send their offerings and those that are doing it, may God prosper you even more. To those that have a day yes and a day no, and I doubt today, I say strengthen yourself. Don't let stories come from your damaged soulless part that is called your flesh, nor of Satan, much less. Don't be fearful. Keep doing what is good, because in due time, you're going to reap major blessing. And those that are starting for the first time, find a place that is good of sound doctrine. And if it's not this place, if it's not this place, wherever it may be, But don't forget this word. Show where you are and what God gives you. Then surrender in that place so that place can be a place of many spiritual miracles. May God bless you all. May the grace of God cover you. God, and we give you thanks for this word. And we ask that you seal it in the hearts of all the listeners for life. And that they can understand, that we all understand that we're your instruments to make miracles. That we're provokers of miracles and that we... There's many things to sow in lives, in the lives of others, so that they can be transformed. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the Church of the Lord says, Amen and Amen. May God bless you all. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos, Florida. We hope this message has edified you. And please, share with others. Have a wonderful day.